What's your name, scumbag? Jesse Spector is... Ovechkin, Alex, is that his name? Harry Carey. Wayne Gretzky! Moses! No! No! Please, please, don't make a fuss. Jesse Spector is on Lightning Power Play. You're right to me. Welcome to the Ryan Callahan Show. I'm Jesse Spector filling in for Ryan Callahan, who's on assignment, uh, spending time on the injured reserve of the Ottawa Senators. Uh, unfortunately, not playing anymore because of his back, and you know, hope that he's uh, hope that he's feeling good. Hope that he's had a nice holiday season. Hope that you've had a nice holiday season, and hope that our guest today has had a nice uh, holiday season as we head into the new year. It's uh, Shana Goldman from the Athletic and uh, BehindTheBenches.com. Uh, Shana, how you doing? Welcome back to the show. Hi, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Um, so this this has been and I. I live in New York, but I'm not there right now. Um, but it means that I see um, probably more of the Rangers than uh, a, a regular human being uh, who just likes to pay attention to hockey would, because they are my local team. Um, they, they among three teams, are my local team, but the Rangers still get the most attention in New York, regardless of the Islanders being um, you know, one of the five best teams in the league this year. Um, why? That doesn't make any sense. But that's something. We can <laughs> it's always been that way. It really always has. Um, like the Islanders. I mean, there's Newsday, but yeah, the Islanders just don't get their uh, don't don't get the do the same way. But the Rangers are weird because it seems like they're bad. They're bad, but they're not <laughs> right. Is that just goaltending, or is there more to like? Is it like? Is is there more to it than that, or is it just yeah? No, it's it's Lundqvist in Georgia. Um, it it's me. Okay, goaltending is definitely a big part of it, but they it has been for the last you know decade. It's, yeah. it's like that's the Rangers' identity. You can play whatever kind of hockey in front of them, and you have really good goaltending. And you know, Lundqvist has been outstanding over the years, and his backups have been very good too. And you know, you can be bad, and it's okay because you have them. But um. This year, they actually have some shooting talent. You know, Mika Zibanejad had an outstanding year last year, and he looks great this year. He missed some time to injury and came, sorry, came right back into swing, you know, right from there. So it, it's like a good problem to have to have, you know, really good goaltending, but it's a really bad problem to have to have goaltending hide your problems. So it's nice that this year they actually have forwards who can help out. And obviously the leading one is Artemi Panarin. He's all that's been advertised and more, but when you talk about the Rangers, you have to talk about their defense, and it's pretty damn terrible, and it's probably going to stay terrible unless they change, like, fundamentals about their system, because no matter the personnel, the problems are the same. The thing about their defense, though, is that their defense is not that bad offensively. Like, that's... Right. It's such it's such a strange thing, but they're not... They're not like super good. It's not like they're you know a, a team full of John Carlson's up there. It's like yeah, Anthony D'Angelo can do some stuff, and you know Brady Shea and Jacob True are, are decent with the puck, and Adam Fox has been uh, sort of you know really impressive. But yeah, these guys also, um, 
the they they are nominally defensemen, but there isn't really a lot of defense happening there. Yeah. That's why they have so because they have so many puck moving defensemen, yeah. they felt they needed a sh- like a more defensive defenseman to play on the penalty kill. They didn't feel that they can give their more offensive defensemen all that ice time on the penalty kill. And while I don't necessarily agree with this, it's what they've done. So that's why Brendan Smith is a forward at even strength, but a defenseman on the penalty kill to rove. And it's not that it's necessarily been a problem. I mean, Liber Hayek was getting time on the penalty kill and he looked overwhelmed. Mark Stahl at times has looked very overwhelmed. And, you know, I would like to see a player like Adam Fox get time on the penalty kill. Like I, I think it could be a lot for him and, I think managing his ice time is going to be important because he's never played this long of a season and things like that are going to come into play here. But he's been so good defensively at even strength. And for as much as everyone can talk about the offense, you know, like the first month of the season, it really stood out. He wasn't getting the points, but everything else he was doing right. And then the points started coming after that. But he was outright their best player defensively. You know, why not give him a shot then? And, you know, if you look at teams that have good penalty kills they have players who are offensively minded on it you don't want a one-dimensional player because the idea is to push the play into the other zone so i kind of wonder if fox would work there and they're tied with the hurricanes for the most shorthanded goals in the league which is kind of misleading because their penalty kill is not good you know they allow some Mm -hmm. of the most shots quality chances whatever and goaltending has to fix it but i think it would be interesting if that could help it you know instead of just saying we need the defensive defenseman you know throw a little bit more offense onto their penalty kill and see what could happen because at this point you know what's the risk it it's allowing a ton of shots against but yeah so brendan smith is has a role on this team because they feel they don't have that many defensive defensemen on you know the roster each night they try it they have nothing to lose but uh more hockey games yeah they already do that a fair <laughs> amount of the time anyway. So Exactly. Is is there is it evident that they have a plan here? Because I, in some ways it feels like yes they do and you can sort of see it, but at the other hand it's like oh, you're probably gonna not be very good for the couple of years of Panarin's prime that you still have left here. Yeah, that's the tricky part. So last uh, this past off season, you know, they did so many things right. And obviously, the draft lottery, mm-hmm. that was, you know, a huge win for them. But after that, the Adam Fox trade was really good. You know, I know some people felt it was an overpayment. In some ways, it was. You know, it's two draft picks. But when you collect those picks, you can move them to get those NHL-ready players. So you're not a team full of 18-year-olds. And Jeff Gorton said that for two years, it finally happened. There's the trade. And it made sense. And obviously, you see him play, and you're like, oh, yeah, it was worth it. Never mind, I take it back. Um, Jacob Truba was a really good trade, too, because, you know, he's a young player that's good now and in the future. And they needed that. They needed that top pair defenseman. They've been, you know, without one since the McDonough trade. And it hasn't always worked out with players they brought in to be top defensemen because they weren't used as top defensemen and so on and so forth. So it's nice to see that he actually is used as a top defenseman. The big one's Panarin. And obviously, if you're a rebuilding team, he doesn't fit with you. It doesn't work that way. You don't invest that kind of money in a player, and especially with his age and so on and so forth. And even when you try to justify it, saying, well, he was only in the NHL for X many years before. He doesn't have the wear and tear. Yes, he hasn't had many injuries and all of that. You know, you try to excuse it. 
the bottom line is he is an elite player. You don't often get those in free agency. You don't often get them where you don't have to invest in any way besides cap space. And he wanted to come to the Rangers and they can make the deal work. So they went forward with it. He brings the team up by a lot. And so do all of those offseason additions. But there's still so much room to grow. And um, a couple months ago for The Athletic, I wrote a story about like when the Rangers will be contenders and using uh, – value from Dom Lushishin, and I probably said his last name wrong, so I apologize. But I think yeah, he's been on the show before, and I believe he said it right. Oh, yay. It's 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 a hard name to it say. Is. But um, his data I used, plugging it in to see when they'll be contenders and projecting their values out, and there's a lot of growth, and you need, you know, these players, these young players to take leaps forward. It's not like, oh, if they take a step forward in growth and development, like you need them to really take strides forward for it to work in the next few years. And maybe it can happen. Like you look at Philip Heedle and he's been excellent. So maybe it can happen for more of their players. But right now with this team, it's not enough to be a contender next year just if all goes right with their development. So they still have to figure out ways to tweak and make it work because you want them to be good when Panarin's in his prime and when Zibanejad's in his prime and when... Truva is and you know if you can do it with Henrik Lundqvist and Ned all the better you know everyone wants that well most people there are people who don't like Henrik Lundqvist but I digress there you know what yeah yeah there are a lot of people that think he is a weight on the salary cap that he is not actually that good and that they should have kept Talbot Ranta over him or Gergiev should be the starter or he should go now and so on and so forth I'm 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 clearly reading the right portions of the internet that aren't saying this. Um, yep. I too would hate having a future Hall of Famer in my net. Yeah, I, and Lundqvist has been like, it. he's been everything you would hope. I mean, this was what I wanted to talk about next was you don't often get this sort of situation where the future Hall of Fame goalie is willing to see that he's getting older and, you know, isn't going to be the 60 games a year guy anymore and seems to actually be okay with that and and really is presenting them with a nice situation where, yeah, he's still getting paid, but you're going to be able to have, like, a 1-1-A and and, and really a much easier transition, it seems like, than a lot of teams had. And I'm curious what that means to their rebuild and and to where they're going that that they have that with Lundqvist who wants to be there and wants to be part of this and you know stuck through it through the time when there really was a a question about whether trading him would have been the best thing for the organization yeah um with the one thing I feel like I'm the most confident with this team is is goaltending you know they have an eye for talent you have Benoit Lair, who's one of the best goaltending coaches, ha- who has done magic with, you know, players. You think of Cam Talbot. He really wasn't, he was, a, you know, a skilled goaltender, but Allaire helped him refine his game to the point that he was ready to be a starter. Antti Ranta fell out of favor in Chicago a bit, you know, and Scott Darling took over there. And then the Rangers invested in Antti Ranta, and Benoit Lair worked with him to help him be ready to become a starter. So you see it right now with Georgiev, who wasn't expected to be anything, you know, at this level. It was maybe a placeholder because it was Andre Pavlik um, had left and they had to, you know, find a backup until Igor Shosturkin was ready. He's the one that has been 
you know, advertised as the heir to the throne since he's been drafted. And um, Georgiev's been, at, you know, really great. Like, there's absolutely no question. He's really worked with Alaire a lot. And you could see how much better he's gotten. Because I, I think what sometimes people forget is when he first went to Hartford, he struggled. And they did have issues with their goaltending coaches there. And, you know, the team was terrible in front of him. But he really struggled. And he did lose the starting reins at one point. And um, they brought in Mazanic and then... I think it was when Mazanik got hurt that Georgiev took over as a starter again, and then he was called up to the Rangers and played some games. So, you know, it, it hasn't been the smoothest of paths until he got to the NHL, but since he's been there, he's been really good. But obviously this year, the idea is for Lundqvist to still be the starter, mm-hmm. um, but play a lesser share. More teams are trending towards shared nets, and that's a good thing, and it helps. And not only that, it's this year... With this defense being so bad, every goaltender's workload is that much harder night in, night out. So if you can rest them and balance them more than you would in years past, like this is the year to do it. If you're worried about them being able to like sustain their play all year, injuries or whatever, just balancing a workload, like this is the year to do it because the team is that bad that every game is that much worse to play, you know? So it helps. And then it brings a question of, what do you do next? Because you have three really good goaltenders and you can't keep Shostakovich in the AHL forever. Georgiev's not going to be wage- waiver eligible in like the next game or two that he plays. And you have Lundqvist, who it really all depends on what Lundqvist wants to do. And he's earned that. He's earned that as their, you know, their backbone for the last decade for, you know, the clauses in his contract and all that. And it's not going to be easy to, it wouldn't be easy to move him. He, you know, he leads the way here. And as long as he's still in it, one goaltender might be on, on the go. And I would guess it would come in the off season. But like, if he wants to play 30 games a year for the next five years for you, like who would not sign up for that? Right. And obviously once his contract's up, you know, he's not going to be signing a deal like this in the future. It'd be somewhat less so everyone could stop complaining and acting like that's the problem when, you know, I would say it's those pretty bad defensive contracts they've signed and other things like that that are the problem. Pretty, but yeah, pretty bad defensive contracts. Yeah, that's, yeah, uh, that's. And yet, Putting at the it time, it, they were contracts that seemed well. At least one was the Shattenkirk deal. Must all see. I I always liked Mark Stahl, and I thought he was a really good defenseman yeah. for years. But the injuries, I wouldn't have given him that contract. If I were the Rangers, I mean, you can't give a 30 year old defenseman who's had so many injury problems a deal like that. But the one that, you know, it like stood out was Girardi was, you know, older than that when he signed his contract. And obviously that's concerning. And then you got to try to figure out how to maximize players prime and consider, you know, injuries and playing style and whether they can keep it up. And that's going to come into play with Chris Kreider. You know, can you give a net front player? that contract when they're 29 years old probably not i don't think that he meant quite as much to the team as like as stall did i i, I think that's why you had why they had to give stall the contract that they did yeah it, it's too bad because out of the three defensemen that could have gotten the contract like that you know mcdonough stall girardi the three core players everyone knows it should have been done but when it came around for him they couldn't afford it couldn't you know risk making that mistake again by investing in a defender when they're almost 30, and it, it it's too bad because he was the one of the three that far and away should have gotten it. Yeah. yeah. It's just uh, the sequencing didn't work right. Yeah. 
the sequencing for this show takes us to the break right now, but we will come back with a whole lot more talking today with Shana Goldman. This is Jesse Spector is on Lightning Power Play. Would our mystery guest enter and sign in, please? How do we know he's not Mel Tomei? Jesse Spector is a moron who knows only what he reads in the New York Post. On Lightning Power Play. Welcome back to Jesse Spector is on Lightning Power Play. Joined today by Shana Goldman from The Athletic and uh, BehindTheBenches.com, which you can find on Twitter at Bench Bosses. That's something that we had to talk about before the show, about how I get confused by things. Uh, but what is not confusing is that we are having a good time talking uh, talking some hockey here. Um, so what we've been doing the second half of the show uh, this season, it's been a new thing, it's been a lot of fun, is talking to the guests about um, how they got into hockey. So, uh, Shana, how did you become a hockey person? Um, my parents. My dad was an Islander fan, my mom was a Ranger fan, and we're, I'm one of three girls, and we were given an option of which t- team to like, and so they would go to Ranger Island games and come home with, you know, two thirds one of two thirds of Ranger merch, and then my dad would throw in one Islander merch, hoping one of us would bite, and um, none of us did. So um, I started watching hockey, you know, with my mom watching the Rangers because they kept the separate rooms if the teams were playing each other, and um, it kind of stuck. And it was funny, like we we got like new TVs when they had like HD TVs come out. Mm-hmm for hockey and we lost MSG and HD. So my mom refused to watch, you know, that feed on her new TV. So I would watch it like alone in my room at that point on my small like box TV. And, um, yeah, I just got really into it. And then with the numbers side of it, um, I wanted to prove that Anton Stroman was good. So I started looking at the numbers and, uh, I wasn't a fan of Anton Stroman when he was first on the Rangers, um, but that quickly changed. And I realized, like, you know, there isn't a good way to look at a defenseman and be like, he's good defensively here. I can point to it, you know, because it's a defenseman being good is what can they stop from happening if they're not an offensive defenseman? They're not. You can't say, oh, he has 30 assists. You know, you need a good way to do it. And I think I started using War on Ice to do that and could see you know, his shot rates and things like that. And it just kind of like opened a door for me to get very into it. How did, how did applying that get you to, to want to do it? Was it that you saw that you were right or was it that the process of it was, um, was that satisfying to, to go through? I just really like numbers and math and all that. So, and there was a way to do it, you know, and way to see it, um, I just kind of loved it, so I started looking at it more. You know, you start with one, you're like, all right, I'm right here. Let me, like, I prove my point. But from there, I'm like, let me see what everyone else looks like. And, you know, you can really start trying to see, like, what you've been watching, how it matches up with the numbers, and to get a good idea where it would give you something else to look at. And from there, you know, I would just start reading everything I could and learning more about it. Is there a point at which you have to get over it being a daunting mass of numbers and and if so how how do you get past that it's a lot it's a lot of numbers um i think a good thing is knowing you know what to look at and what not to look at and maybe like an order in which to look at it because you can start at any point and maybe 
you have a specific goal in mind. You just want to know how many scoring chances a player creates on their own, you know, their individual number, and that you're going to go right towards. But otherwise, you know, you could just open up any website. You can go to evolvinghockey.com, and it's a lot of stats at you mm-hmm. if you just go to, you know, a player's skater page. So it helps to kind of know where to start and where to go from there, and that's something Allison Lucan and I are working on for hockey graphs, like, going through other analysts player uh, like order of operations for player and game analysis to try to help that but um i think a good thing is just starting you know with the fundamentals and the basics and then just reading as much as you can and so many people like charlie o'connor he just put out part two of a primer at the athletic for advanced stats and uh he linked to his original one that was more of the basics it's really helpful to read stuff like that because not only is he explaining what the stat is but how you can apply it and then you can start, you know, reading others' work from there, whether it's Charlie's or Allison's or um, Ryan Stimson's always done great work with numbers and uh, Sean Tierney does and Sean Ferris. And you can look around and see what everyone else is doing and how they're applying it in their story and weaving it in to try to figure out how best to go about, you know, whether you're researching for yourself, your fan, you just want to see numbers or you're trying to apply it to your own writing. How much does it help to be able to collaborate with other people on, on the same sort of stuff? I mean, like, this is something, and, and like, Allison and Sean have been uh, guests on the show before, and it's something that I, for some reason, haven't even thought to ask them. And now, I guess, you know, the third third time that there's somebody this season from The Athletic who who really focuses on this stuff, but like being able to have like-minded people that you can bounce stuff off of, how, how helpful is that to, you know, to building on what you already are doing and can do? It's so helpful. Um, almost every single one of my stories at some point, I'm talking to someone about my ideas to even make sure they make sense. Like I will bother Mike Murphy or Tom Rich Jr. or Allison or Kat Silverman or like, anyone I can bother to like bounce ideas off of and it it helps a lot you know even if it's something that doesn't apply to them and you're just doing your work and you you need a second opinion it helps or I do a lot of work with Allison you know we were both planning penalty hill stories together I was doing one for the Islanders she was doing one for the Blue Jackets that um, went live today on the athletic that it's great and we were trying to plan out our approaches together and um, we ended up going about them differently, but just have someone to talk through the ideas with and talk about, you know, what you're researching, how you're applying it, and then reading through what the other person does. You know, I sent my full story to her and she gave me her thoughts back in the same, you know, when it was her story, just to see how we both are approaching it, how we can be better at it, how we can talk through a certain idea and maybe dive in more at a point that we're missing it's so incredibly helpful. You know, I'm not a goaltending expert by any stretch of the word. You know, I watch Henrik Lundqvist. I can tell you anything about the Rangers goaltenders, but I cannot come out and say, yeah, I'm a goalie analyst. Like, I'm not. But Kat Silverman is, so I can ask her a million questions. Um, last week, I was working on a story about goalie trades midseason, and I was going through a list of similar trades, and I was just sending her them, and she called me, and Every single trade I listed for her, she was telling me whether or not, you know, the situation, what works, what doesn't work, what should be applied and included in this one. It's so helpful to have other people to work with and to have someone who knows what you're, even if they don't know the team as well, 
who gets the subject matter that you're talking about just to like help work through your ideas. I think it can make everyone better because if you're the one that's just listening to the other person's ideas, it can give you ideas for your own stories or, you know, you can just be helping someone else doing it. I want to go back to, to your choice between the Rangers and Islanders. Did you make the right choice? I mean, I grew up as a Ranger fan. Um, I did not regret the decision. And then when the Islanders went through a really tough time and there were things with uh, Mike Milbury, my dad quit watching them. So I would have been watching the Islanders by myself if I took his side. And when he started watching hockey again, we made it abundantly clear in this house, you know, we don't watch the Islanders, even though like I watched every Islander game. So I can knew I could know everything that was going on with them. So when anyone wanted to like talk about the Rangers with me and try to make fun of them, I knew exactly what I was talking about to make fun of the Islanders. So I learned them as, you know, as much as I could just so I could talk badly about them. Um, but from there, you know, we were like, this is, this is what we watch here. And he got roped into watching the Rangers for like years after that. Okay. So I think I made the right choice, you know, growing up. I, neither team won it's not like you could look at him and be like ah you pick the team that won four stanley cups you know but i had fun with my choice i think that works um yeah for me it was um i was a little bit younger i mean i was a little bit older i guess i i because they did win a stanley the rangers did win a stanley cup um at a time when um like i grew up like you know, the first game that I ever went to was a Ranger game. I grew up in the city, so I was a Rangers fan. It, it made perfect sense. But when Scott Lachance was on on the uh, U.S. Olympic team, they said on TV, he's going to be playing for New York after the Olympics, and he's having a really good Olympics. And I was like, all right. And then turned out they meant the Islanders. So I stuck with him. My favorite player was on the Islanders, but I was still a Rangers fan. And they... Uh, then won the cup in 94 beating the Scotland chance Islanders along the way but that's uh I feel like there's room there's room to be okay with both I don't know mm-hmm. I maybe I'm I don't feel like the the hatred is there the way that it maybe was years ago or maybe I just don't see it the same way yeah I think it's that we don't see it you know like when I was in elementary school and high school and whatever Islander fan, I, the Islanders weren't very good. Yeah. And it's not like the Rangers are that much better, but by like, you know, the end of my high school years, the Rangers were this playoff team again and the Islanders weren't and they were doing pretty poorly and I, I loved it. And it always bothered me to hear Islander fans, you know, then were talking to me like they cared more if the Rangers lost and their team won because their team was bad. It didn't matter what happened in the standings. And like, I hated that mentality. But, you know, it was definitely there. And maybe it was because I was an obnoxious fan that would just get into every <laughs> argument. And uh, I didn't want to back down because if I thought I was right, I'm going to let you know. I'm, I think I'm right about it. Um, but after that, you know, it's weird. It's weird because, like, the second you start writing, you look at it completely differently. You know, you're trying not to look at it from, like, a fan's perspective because yeah. you're not. Yeah. And uh, when I started writing about the Islanders, you know, some of my friends and my family were like, are you serious? And I was like, I kind of like it. You know, in some ways, I like it better because you look at it, you look at the team, you know, I could tell you I know the Rangers inside and out. I've watched every single game. For so many years, 
There's no question. I've watched a lot of Islander games. I watched most of them, but I don't think I ever watched it the same. So as much as I'm confident what I'm talking about and I know the Islanders, I know them differently, I feel like. So when I'm writing about them, it kind of sometimes pushes me to learn more about something that maybe I didn't look at the same way because you're not, you know, I wasn't writing about the Islanders for years and I was writing about the Rangers for more than that. Obviously, you're watching it differently. But I think it kind of pushes you to to learn things differently and look at different concepts maybe you wouldn't. And it can kind of give you different ideas going back and forth between the two, even if it's just comparing their penalty kills or something like that or doing one and then seeing something so opposite how they do it because obviously they're so different. One team is so good defensively. One is so not. One has this like aggressive and strong penalty kill. One doesn't. They have all this talent on the Rangers' power play and can't do anything with it. Then you have the Islanders who have had a terrible power play, you know, last year and the year before that. So it's like, it's super different to look at that. I don't know. I think it makes it more fun. I think it is. It's interesting. And I think that that rivalry would benefit from both teams actually being good at the same time, which they haven't been in. And the Islanders have been terrible for most of the last 30 years, but they had the, one the couple year of years that they've though. been good, the Rangers have not. Yeah, there was one year they were um, close in the standings and both went to the playoffs. The Rangers lost in um, round one, I think it was, and the Islanders lost in round two. Yeah. And um, that was when they played Florida in round one, the Islanders. So... That was, like, one year it was, like, more competitive, yeah. But, like, other than that, you know, you're definitely right on that. And you can even look at it with the Devils, the Rangers and Devils. You had, like, t- 2012. Yeah. They met in the Eastern Conference Final. It was as competitive yep. as, as it got. And then now you can see, oh, the rivalry is going to be renewed, you know. Because for years it was they're, – they're not in the same part of the standings. You're not going to be looking at it that way until now where it's like, okay, they're two up-and-coming teams and people are going to be comparing their rebuilds and the off-season changes and things like that. And then eventually it'll be comparing them on the ice, you know, itself. Eventually. 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 So, we'll see. And that's uh, that's it. We're out of time for today, so we'll, we'll have to talk about that more as, uh, as time goes forward. Shana, thank you so much for coming back on the show. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. Shana Goldman. Uh, she... Re- writes for The Athletic, and you can find uh, BehindTheBenches.com and uh, you can find if you missed any of this show, uh, the showtimes are at Jesse Spector is on Twitter, you can find that there, and uh, yeah, that's it for this time. Happy New Year, everybody. This has been Jesse Spector is on Lightning Power Play. We'll see you next time.